This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. It's the weekend. So relax and listen to some stories the whole family can enjoy. That's right, it's the Saturday Story Circle, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audience. Chapter 8 Kit Baxter opened her eyes and stared for a moment at the dingy, unfamiliar tiles on the ceiling above her. She felt the hard, lumpy cot beneath her digging into her back, and suddenly remembered where she was. She settled back into the cot with a contented sigh that few could have matched in her surroundings. She was in a small room in a windowless basement, a hidden apartment with sparse furnishings but ample emergency medical equipment, one of their many safe houses. The Red Panda had established most of them before taking her on as a partner, and they were all utilitarian to a fault. This one, on the border of the warehouse district south of the Parkdale neighborhood, was only a few blocks away from the site of the explosion the other night. Kit frowned at the thought. She knew she had taken a knock to the head as they had escaped through the window, seconds ahead of a wall of fire, but just how long ago that was, she couldn't even begin to say. She had been in and out of consciousness four or five times since then, never for very long. She turned her head to meet the movement she heard coming from down the hall. She smiled as the red panda peeked around the corner hesitantly, as if careful not to disturb her. "'I thought I heard something,' he grinned. She blinked up at him. "'Why is it the only time we get to play house is when one of us is out cold?' He frowned a little. "'I don't think I understand the question,' he admitted." She sighed, just a little. I didn't guess that you would. What time is it? Tuesday, he said, handing her a glass of water. That's all I get, she frowned. You weren't worried sick? You didn't hold my hand as I hovered near death's door? Would any of those things incline you to get out of bed? He teased right back. Nurse Kerwin didn't seem to think you were at death's door, exactly. Nurse Kerwin was here, Kit said, throwing aside the blanket and sitting up. And we haven't had the maid in for ages. Why are all of our safe houses such complete dumps, anyway? We're in a hidden chamber behind a furnace room, he said. I don't think some curtains and a throw rug are going to do much good. Are you hungry? Famished, she said, standing too quickly and wobbling a little. You can buy me some eggs if anything's open. Kit looked down and realized for the first time that she was wearing a vastly oversized pair of men's silk pajamas rolled up dramatically at the legs, but her hands were swimming in the long sleeves. Her heart jumped involuntarily. "'How exactly did you get me into these pajamas?' she asked without thinking. He turned slightly red around the edges and stammered. "'I had nothing to do with it. It was Nurse Kerwin.' He beat a hasty retreat back down the narrow hall. "'Oh,' she said, disappointed in spite of herself. She sat back down on the edge of the cot for a moment. She looked down at the oversized silk sleeves and smiled. How come I don't have my own pajamas here? What? He was on his way back into the room with her squirrel suit. 
We could keep them in the same drawer and everything. She batted her eyelashes, taking the costume from him. We have thirty-six safe houses, he deadpanned. How many sets of pajamas do you have? It's a fair point, she admitted. Just so I know, what paper-thin excuse have we concocted to explain away our scandalously unchaperoned two-day absence? You drove me to Montreal on business. Quite suddenly, I might add. She smiled. The elaborate lengths the boss went to to protect Kit's reputation were very sweet, even if the gossips in her neighborhood never quite accepted them. Did I remember to write my mother before I left? Kit asked gravely. He smiled. And you complained when I made you write all of those letters. Did I bring her back a souvenir ashtray? A souv... Does she smoke? No. Kit smiled up at him. Then she'll get over it, he said. Get changed. I'm going to grab a few things. I've got the car parked in the hidden garage out back. Do you feel well enough to drive? I'm fine, she called as he stepped into the next room. How's the car? I was very careful, he called back, so I should be able to repair the damage in. There was a moment of silence as he wrestled with the truth. A few hours, tops. Do we know what happened back there, she said, stepping out of his pajamas with a wistful smile. It was a garbage can, he called. Her brow furrowed for just a moment. Not the car, the warehouse, she called. Well, he said seriously, I suppose it goes without saying it was a trap. You think, she called back as she pulled on her costume. We expected that, of course, though we expected something a little less apocalyptic. Ah, lemon juice. I'm decent, she called back. The red panda stuck his head around the corner, hesitantly at first, as though she might be toying with him. Kit smiled. He had his mask on now and cut quite a figure as the looming specter of justice, which made his occasional awkward moments with her even funnier. So all we know for sure, she began, is that whoever pulled the Empire Bank caper wanted to make sure that we didn't try to catch up with him again. He shook his head. There are more questions than I'm comfortable with. Like how they found the tracker so quickly. They must have been looking for it, she mused. But what made them check so closely? There was nothing in that safety deposit box that could have tied the contents to August Fenwick, but it still gives one pause. If we could detect the radio beacon, so could someone else, she said, pulling on her gloves. Granted. And it wouldn't take them long to figure that someone would follow that lead, and that whoever it was would be somebody they wouldn't want to have to deal with. So they blew up a city block. It does feel like overkill, doesn't it, she grimaced. He smiled grimly. My principal trouble with that theory is that it is, in any number of ways, a best-case scenario. And it still ain't that good. That's my other problem with it. He handed her her cowl and goggles. If someone thought they would need that much firepower, they were almost certainly gunning for us. And if they wanted us gone that badly, the odds are that the Empire Bank was just the beginning. And now it's two days later, the trail is cold, and we're still nowhere near the game. She stood at the ready, fully clad as the flying squirrel and looking good as new. So much for shortcuts, the red panda smiled. This is an urgent message from Cypher. I'm undergoing various uh, undergoings for the evil plan. It has come to my attention that these children, these 
Voices have risen mutiny against us. This, of course, is suboptimal. They must be stopped at all costs. I think I speak for all mankind when I say the evil plan must continue. <laughs> yes, it must. <laughs> Anyway, we have set up a trap for these kid agents, and they will be dealt with soon enough. Don't believe me. Just listen. I'm just gonna cut one of them! No, wait! Okay, why haven't they reported in for the past two days? Two of your agents have been injured in the line of duty. Josh, are you okay? Miss, miss, can you please step back? Say something comforting to Josh. Better you than me? Many believe Wordtastic Podcast to be the greatest podcast of all time. And season two bears no exception. We'll have more action. More laughs. What is wrong with you? More drama.